plan ahead. Sometimes there are things that are obscure to us. This is a two-person wave off there because one wasn't sufficient. (laughs) All right. I think now, finally, about a minute in, I'm ready to begin the sermon. So, all right. So, um, so the the song I, I love the song, but it does have some obscure words and and there's some obscure things in this passage. But it's an important passage because in it Jesus tells us how you can know the future. You can know the future right now. And I know that may sound like an infomercial, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk you through what he says, and we'll see that Jesus is telling us how we can know the future. We, we can know already things that will happen in the future. So that's what Jesus is doing. And so uh, when we get into the agricultural metaphors or people being like children of snakes and things like that, um, then... Uh, then they, they may be a little bit obscure to us because we're not we're not uh, agriculturalists, so um, or many of us aren't. So uh, so uh, I want to I want to remind you up front, or I want to uh, what inform you up front where we're headed. We're we're headed to knowledge about the future. And if you think about how many people do horoscopes or uh, consult financial advisors or uh, all the different ways we try to get on top of the future, Jesus is doing that today. And he's going to tell us how we can know the future. So, the the big idea, the big idea that Jesus is working from, and, and this would have been very familiar to people in the first century, and it is something that Christians believe today, it is this idea that the, there are two ages, that, that, the, that time is divided into two periods called the present age or the, um, the age to come. Or you might say uh, the, the age of decay, the, the the age of mess, the age of things like Afghanistan, the 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 world that is running down, that that is this present age, and then there is the age to come. That this age is maybe not as bad as it could be. I mean, not all of us are suffering um, as bad as we ever have, but but this age has messy things in it. There's war, there's violence, there's death, there's loss, there's mourning. Um, there's, there's all the ways that this age is not great. And in the age to come, none of those things will be there. And what that means is that there will be a sorting out. All the things that are part of this age will be sorted out at some point, at the end of this age, at the beginning of the other age, the age to come, there will be this sorting. And everything that is bad, the, the, the wars, the violence, um, you know everything that is bad about this age will not be included in the age to come. So that's the the big idea that Jesus is working from, and and it's um, it's part of something that pretty much every Christian tradition understands is this idea of the great sorting out. And what it what it what the the, the key point about it is it hasn't happened yet. You look around, and if you can see any signs of of you know, anything that's ugly, uh, uh, violence, war, you know, loss, all, heartache, all the things that, that we see all the time. If you can see any of that, then you know right now that 
the age to come has not happened. So that's that's the big idea, that this sorting out has not yet occurred, that we still live in the age of decay. So, so that's the place that Jesus is working from, and it is broadly agreed by all the different religious groups in his era, you know, the Sadducees and Jebusite, you know, all, all those names we read about in the Bible, they would have all agreed about this, and, and pretty much all Christians agree about it today. The the place where most Christians, and in, in the first century, most of the, the people in that culture, the different religious perspectives in that um, culture, would have, would have disagreed is about what happens to people who get sorted out? What happens to the things that don't make the cut? And that's the place where a lot of disagreement occurs, and I'm not going to go into that. There are places that that um, that the, the the documents in the New Testament and the Hebrew Scriptures talk about the, that. So there are some answers. But like I said, this is the place where Christians and uh, Jews uh, in the first century disagreed. That what does that actually mean? So so um, I, I assume that people want to be part of the age that has the 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 lack of violence and the lack of heart heartache and all the other things and not the other so um, for today for our purposes today in getting through this passage we're not as concerned about what happens on the other on the other part of that choice what happens with that determination so that's the first idea is that there is this sorting out and for reasons of time if nothing else we're not going to discuss the the other the other um, side of that sort. The other thing about the sort is that it's going to be fair. However, it turns out, no one is going to say, "Wait a minute, I got robbed." That you know, there were some facts here that didn't get considered. They didn't get factored in. You know, you overlooked this one thing. Nobody is going to. Nobody is going to have that argument. Everybody will look at it and say, "That's exactly." You know, it's it's what I was was um, expecting deep down. And that's the place Jesus is working from today. Jesus is talking about this this sorting out, and he says how you can know today. You can have peace today knowing exactly how that's going to turn out. And um, uh, maybe, I don't know... Um, how are we doing on time? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna just say briefly that that just so that you know where we're coming from, I'm using the word sorting out instead of judgment because judgment has all these uh, connotations. But obviously, there has to be some kind of a determination. God has to make some kind of a determination if there are things that are present in this age that will be present in the the age to come, and there are things that will not be present. Then there has to be some kind of a judgment. So, so the details of the judgment are the place where different different traditions, different um, schools of thought differ. And I would broadly say that there's there's basically three big schools of thought about um, about that judgment. One of them is that is that it's like a capital case that you're going to be put on trial, and if you lose the trial, then you get the death penalty. Another another school of thought says you, you you go into this trial and that you if you lose the case then you go to a really nasty prison forever. Okay, and then the third the third major school of thought is that God God tells you that that God looks at you and says you wouldn't be happy in the age to come. I'm going to give you the closest thing I can to what will make you happy, and you know. This is who you are. So, and I guess there's a fourth one, which is that those are all different ways of looking at the same thing. That those are all different perspectives that boil down to the same thing. The age of come, the age to come, is the place 
people want to go, except some people who really don't want to go there. And so that's that's the big idea of the sorting out. So I want to move on though. So because, like I said, we're going to focus mainly on the 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 the, the people, the things, the the everything that will make that determination into the age to come, that fair determination. And Jesus says you can know right now how it's going to turn out for you, even though it's not it's not rigged. It's not fixed. It's going to be fair. No one will look at you and say that you got a special break. Um, the, rephrase. No one's going to look at you and say that they that, that you got something they couldn't have. Okay, let me just leave it at that. All right. So, um, so what is? So I think I've kind of. Uh, let's see if I can dig my way out of my words. All right. So in verse thirty-three, it says Jesus says, "Either consider the tree good and its fruit good, or consider the tree rotten and its fruit rotten." So, what does Jesus mean? Uh, and a tree is known by its fruit. What is what is what does he mean there? Um, this is this is a metaphor. When he talks about um, uh, trees and, and rotting, he's he's referring to the age to come. He's talking about that sorting out. You imagine you work in a orchard. You're throwing out the bad fruit, keeping the good fruit. Now, Jesus knows that that um, that spoiled things, rotten things. Don't come from the rotten tree. You know, they, he lived in the first century. They didn't have refrigerators then. People were very familiar with how rotting occurred. Jesus is not confused about rotting. He's saying that trees have, have a kind that, that pineapples don't grow on watermelon trees or wherever, watermelon vines, whatever. Uh, watermelons don't grow on pineapple trees or, or you know, uh, I'm not an agriculturist, so so wherever trees come, wherever wherever fruit comes from, it comes off of the right kind of tree. Uh, um, oranges and and bananas, okay. Oranges don't come on banana trees, and and vice versa. So so Jesus is saying that there is this this tree metaphor that everybody would have been familiar with that in that culture, and he said, okay, the things that survive the cut, and the things that don't, the good things and the, the rotten thing. So he says, this is, this is the key idea that if you have this, if you, if you understand the tree that a fruit comes from, then you understand the fruit. So, so if you're wondering about the fruit, look what tree it comes from. So, so he says, just figure out what tree it is. So it, we, we can say, okay, I, I got that. I understand that metaphor. Yes. Apples don't grow on banana trees and things like that. I understand that metaphor, um, and I understand how it can relate to the age to come. But I don't know wh- what is this tree. What is the the tree you're talking about? How, if if I'm struggling with the fruit, how can I how can I figure out the tree? Well, the answer is context, because if you've been tracking with us for the last couple of weeks, we've seen that this is not coming out of the blue. Jesus did not suddenly just launch a conversation about trees. Jesus is responding to accu accusations that that his um, his critics had made they said uh, Jesus healed somebody and they said well he healed them by the power of Beelzebul that Jesus had had been accused of that and um, uh, Jesus is responding to that so he's saying he's saying that you know the trees we're talking about here he says he says first of all that that the good tree is the God tree that that in in the first century everyone would have been familiar with the idea that that good things come from God that ultimately nothing good comes except from God that there may be you know uh, steps along the way you know 
God didn't deliver me my breakfast this morning, but but God uh, created the system in which my breakfast arrived, that all good things ultimately come from God, and that God never creates things that are intrinsically bad, that God only good comes from God. And uh, we see this all through the Hebrew scriptures beginning in the book of Genesis. Uh, God saw everything he made. It was supremely good. And the psalmist says, I say to the Lord, you are my God. Apart from you, I have nothing good. And uh, also in the Psalms, the Lord is righteous. He's my rock. There is nothing unrighteous in him. So this would have been very, very familiar uh, uh, thinking to to Jesus' uh, adversaries as well as the people who were kind of saying, I like this Jesus guy because he just healed me or whatever, that this would have been very conventional thinking. It's like saying, you know, the sun rises in the east. So no one would have been surprised by this. And in the context where people said that Jesus had just healed somebody by Beelzebul, Jesus is saying, okay, let's think about trees here. We're talking about We're talking about the healing. But let's figure out where does healing come from. Well, healing, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, healing is a good thing, right? You know, who doesn't want to be, who checks into the hospital to get worse, right? We want the good thing, right? We want to be healed. So Jesus is saying that's a good thing. Good things come from God. So we know healing is by itself, knowing nothing else about it, healing is, is a good thing and therefore it is from God. Now, God may have reasons. Uh, under certain circumstances, God may not heal, but God will never will never um, uh, make things bad. That that good uh, only good comes from God. So that's that's the idea. And then Jesus says, "Okay, well, but somebody has introduced this idea of Beelzebul, and we saw last week Beelzebul is another name for uh, Satan, the ruler of the demons." They said, this man throws out demons only by the authority of Beelzebul, um, the ruler of the demons. So what tree is that? What tree, not not Beelzebul, we know what tree Beelzebul is, but but what tree are they talking about here? Well, um, we, we miss something here because we're reading this in the 21st century in English. But... You know, it was not written in English, and it was not spoken in English. The the two languages that would have been most common in the the first century audience that Jesus had would have been Greek, because pretty much everybody knew a little bit of Greek. Everybody in the eastern side of the Mediterranean picked up enough Greek to get by. If they were in a strange town or something, they could they could make their way to the train. Well, they didn't have train stations. They could find their way to the market or something, right? That everybody knew that much Greek, and some people were conversant in it. So, so um, they would have known some Greek, and people in Jesus' audience in particular would have known either Hebrew or Aramaic, which is closely related to Hebrew. So they would have known Hebrew and or uh, Greek. Now, the, the thing when, when we talk about, when, when we use names, I think a lot of us forget that names have meanings. Like my name, Luke, actually means light. My daughter's name, Iris, meant rainbow. So these are words, right? And we forget that because because you know we're we're not part of that era. It, sometimes um, uh, people have last names that that had to do with a um, profession, you know, the baker or the butcher thing. Uh, not met many butchers, but met some bakers. Um, but names have meanings, and so Jesus is saying, now let's think about this. Okay, here's some names. Okay, Satan. What is Satan? Hasatan. What what is the Satan? Satan is the accuser. 
Okay, and the, the word devil comes from the Greek word diabolos, so diabolical, right? So, so where, where, where does that come from? Well, that's the Greek word, and again, people knew Greek. People knew, well, that's a slanderer. And Jesus is saying, okay, what tree does that sound like? Does that sound like that comes from the same tree as healing? What, when, when my adversaries say that I am healing by the power of Beelzebul, which tree would you have to guess that that fruit falls off of? And the answer is, obviously, that is the, the, the tactics of the devil. And the devil may not always choose to use them. The devil may have some nefarious goal where he's going to slander you tomorrow and not today, right? So, but, but the, the very reason he has that name is because he is the slanderer. He is the accuser. And Jesus is saying, okay, what fruit is that from? So, that's, that's where Jesus is getting at with this true meta, uh, this tree metaphor. So, long, long, um, uh, uh, explanation because we just don't, we don't get these words. But in, we pick it up again in verse 34. Jesus says, children of snakes. Now, that doesn't sound very, very nice to call people a brood of vipers, right? So, yes, that's, that's not a very nice word, but, but Jesus is softening his critique here. Because what he just said is, you're fruit of Satan. <laughs> okay, you are the, you are the, the, the produce that comes off the Satan bush. Okay, so Jesus is actually kind of, you know, let me, let me, let me put some flowers on this. I'm just gonna call you children of snakes. So, children of snakes, how can you speak good things while you are evil? How can you speak good things when, when what you are doing is acting evil? The, the fruit you produce is characteristic of the bad tree. And now Jesus switches the word. It's no longer the rotten tree, it's the evil tree, right? Uh, you know, there's all kinds of reasons something may be bad, just not fit for purpose. But Jesus is saying, no, there's a moral element here, that, that what you're doing is wrong. It is accusation. It is slander. It is not simply you're, you're making a mistake. So, he says, how can you speak good things um, while you're evil? What fills the heart comes out of the mouth. Good people bring out good things from their good treasure, but evil people bring out evil things from their evil treasure. And again, first century people understood better than we do that that people, you know, it's it's a bad sign when someone is bleeding from the mouth. They understood the heart is not really where where things come from out of the mouth. So they understood Jesus is using a metaphor. When he says heart, he doesn't mean the thing with blood in it. So he's talking about this inner treasury, this storehouse, this this interior you that it, that Jesus is referring to. And if it's good, good things come out. And if it's bad, bad things come out. Or alternatively, if only good things come out, um, then then it's good. If only bad things come out, it's bad. And if it's a mix, then it's it's got some 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 bad stuff in it at least. So he says he says. Um, Evil people bring out evil things from their evil treasure. So, he goes on. I tell you that people will have to answer on Judgment Day for every useless word, or in some translations, it's idle word that they speak. So Jesus, uh, it, it, the, the idea he's getting at is that it's not just the words you say, but the words that are in there and you don't say. 
So, so Jesus is saying that, that, that the first part, the, the bringing out words from the treasury, uh, Jesus is saying long before anybody ever came up with, you know, the, the field of psychiatry and psychology, Jesus was talking about projection. He means people have a way of letting you know what they're thinking. That, that if somebody is, is obsessed with, with uh, money, that usually comes out. They're the first person to ask, well, how much is this going to cost or something like that, right? If somebody is, is very fearful, if they're always afraid of things, that comes out, you know, is this dangerous, right? They, they have a way uh, of, of saying that. And typically what they'll say is, you're leading me into danger or something like that. You're, you're trying to hurt me, right? That, that people project their inner self onto the world around them, that they, they have a way of showing, showing their colors whether they mean to or not. But Jesus goes more than that. Uh, Jesus says, says more than just that people let you know where they're coming from. Jesus sometimes, um, <clears throat> Jesus says they'll have to answer on judgment day for every useless word they speak, every idle word. Jesus, uh, it, it, the, the idea is that, is that sometimes we don't say that, right? That I have a, you know, alright, I, I have a thought. I have something in my inner treasury, my evil treasury, my good treasury, whatever it is, but I don't say it, right? We know we know how this works, right? Um, we 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 make the we make the the if it comes out if we are accidentally honest, then then we call that a faux pas or we call it a Freudian slip. Or we've got all this language for when we accidentally tell the truth. You know, the the thing that we know is inside us. It's like, did I say that out loud? You know, we, we have, we have this kind of way of dealing with that, that place. But Jesus is saying, <clears throat> and the ones you come out with instead, the useless ones, the ones that don't really say who you are and what you're thinking, where you're just using them as a masquerade, you know, <clears throat> the boss says he likes it. And, you know, my job's too important to me to contradict the boss. So, looks wonderful, boss, you know, or whatever it is, you know, that, that, um, that, um, uh, you know, Self-censorship. How many different ways do we self-censor? Where, where, you know, I don't, I don't remotely agree with your politics, but I'm going to nod, and I'm going to think to myself, what a maroon, you know, and and I'm just going to just. Mm-hmm. Jesus is saying the the words that come out in lieu of the real words that you'll be judged for those too, because God isn't fooled. He's only concerned about the thing on the inside. So. You will be judged on, you will have to answer on judgment day, that great sorting for every useless word they speak. The things that, the, the things where you accidentally tell the truth and the things where the last thing you want to do is tell the truth. Jesus says those are the things that you'll be judged for. Those are the useless words, the idle words. He says by those words you'll be condemned, you'll either be judged um, <clears throat> innocent or condemned as guilty. So, that's what Jesus is saying. Now, what do we do with this? Well, as I said, this is how you know the future, right? You you can know, because of what Jesus has said, you can know now how that sorting will turn out for you. Even though it's a fair sort. Even though no, no cheating will take place in that sort. So, how do you do that? Well, you watch what you say. You listen to the words you say. The, the times when you say, did I say that out loud? And the times when the last thing you're going to do is say it out loud. Listen to the words inside you. The words that only you can hear. And by the way, this is why you can't use this on other people. Because you don't hear the ones that they don't say. right? But you know the words you're saying, whether they come out or not. 
You know the words in your own heart. Jesus is saying, listen to your words and think, what tree did that grow on? What tree did that word, is that a, is that a good tree word? Is that the fruit of a good tree? Is that a bad tree word? Is that the fruit of a bad tree? Jesus says, you can do this. This is not hard. Listen to your words and decide what tree is that from. And he says, if you do that, you will know the future. Now, there's a, there's a question here. Jesus wasn't worried about the future, but some of us, it's like, well, what if I don't like the answer? What if, what if I don't like the tree? Right? Then what? What if I don't like it? Well, there are really three, three answers, right? The first one is, okay, well, change. Just don't be that way. And this is honestly the reason Jesus picks this metaphor is because you can, you can, you know, a pineapple can think all day long. I'd much rather be a banana. Good luck. You know, pineapples don't become bananas. Leopards can't change their spots. So you can try extra hard. And in fact, um, uh, one of the things that Christians recommend is you should try hard. You should try as hard as you can. And because then you'll say, yeah, this, I really am a banana. Right? I, I really am not a pineapple, and I really want to be a pineapple. So the first thing to do is actually try to change. And then you'll say, oh, okay, I get this. And so then what? What do you do if you try to change and you can't? Well, you can give up and say, all right, well, I guess I'm a banana then. So those are the two obvious choices. You can try to become the banana. You can try to become the good fruit. Or you can give up and say, I guess I'm just an evil fruit. You know, party on. But there's a third option. The third option is what Christianity offers, which is you can be grafted onto a different tree. Now, that's pretty much my sum. Somebody told me that the apple tree out there, that it was grafted. So I know there are people who know about grafting, but I don't. So the, the, the metaphor eludes me here. But the idea is that Jesus came early. Jesus is the gardener. The reason that that sorting hasn't taken place yet is because God has provided this gardener who is more than happy to snip your branch off that tree and graft it onto the good tree. This is the option that is available to us. And don't push me on the metaphor. I I could explain the easy one, but grafting... I'm not too clear on that, but I know it happens. I know, and people in the first century knew it happened. That's what Jesus came to do, to be the gardener who offered people that grafting option, to say, you don't have to be stuck with the tree you're on. That if you are on the right tree, you will become the right kind of fruit. This is what Christianity is about, because because there is going to be a sorting. Nobody wants to be part of an age to come. Uh, Well, there may be some people who really do want to be part of an age to come that is characterized by the same violence and horror and heartache that we have in our world today. There may be people like that. And if so, they're going to get what they want. But for those of us who want to be part of the age to come, we can look at our words. We can look at the words that we say and didn't mean to. And we can look at the words we don't say and say something else instead of. Because by doing that, we will know what kind of tree we're the fruit of. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this teaching. Um, not as clear to us uh, uh, city folk as um, as some other things that Jesus says, but um, but not all that hard either. Lord, help us to listen to our words. Help us to to hear the things that nobody else hears. The, the things in our hearts where we say that thing we would never say out loud. The the hidden inner thought. Help us to listen to those, and help us to not simply laugh off and go oops, but actually to pay attention to the words that we do say and didn't mean to. Help us to listen to all of our words so that we can understand what kind of fruit we are, by what kind of tree we're growing on. Lord, we thank you for sending Jesus to graft us onto the good tree, and we pray, Lord, that um, as we listen to our words, that you will help us to see um, what kind of tree we're on and ways that we are, that that tree is, is coming out in the fruit we are growing into. We pray all these things, Lord, in the name of Christ our Savior, our gardener. Amen. We have a song.